Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity, entitled, What You Need to Know About Pharmacovigilance in Novel Hemophilia A Treatment, is provided by Prova Education and is supported by an independent educational grant from Genentech. Before starting this activity, please be sure to review the disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives. Here is Dr. Shannon Meeks. Do you know how the pharmacovigilance process works? Are you sure that you're correctly reporting adverse drug events? This is CME on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Shannon Meeks. And I'm Dr. Cindy Lessinger. Well, Dr. Lessinger, we have a lot to cover today, so let's dive right in. Can you tell us a little bit about the importance of safety surveillance and reporting for novel hemophilia A therapeutics? Sure. You know, drug safety is important for all new drugs, but the safety of new hemophilia treatments is especially important in the hemophilia community. You know, in the early 1980s, over 90% of patients with severe hemophilia A were infected with HIV. They also were exposed to other viral infections that were in the clotting factor concentrates at the time, hepatitis C, hepatitis B, and most of those patients went on to die from those complications, especially AIDS, over the next 10 to 15 years. And so what was a real tragedy in the hemophilia community drove the development of new technologies to make treatments safe. And so today we can say unequivocally that we have really very effective and very safe therapies for hemophilia A. You know, we have the recombinant standard half-life factor eight, we've got the recombinant extended half-life factor eight. And I think that having these therapies really sets a high bar for new therapies that get approved. So now the safety of these new therapies becomes paramount. So how do we ensure safety? Well, there's an important system of safety surveillance that starts when the drugs are in the clinical trials, you know, phase one, phase two, phase three trials, before those drugs are ever approved, they're very closely, carefully monitored for any safety signals, any adverse events, you know, any side effects. Um, and those are carefully studied before a drug will be approved by the FDA. But keep in mind that the hemophilia trials often have relatively small numbers of patients. Hemophilia is a rare disorder. And unlike studies in patients who have high blood pressure or new drugs for diabetes, where thousands of patients will be enrolled in the clinical trials before those drugs are approved, in our hemophilia trials, um, we're doing very good to get 100 patients on a study. A very large hemophilia trial would have 200 patients on a study. So these drugs are being um, studied in, in, not in, in numbers of patients that's not really very large. So it's really important that after these drugs are approved, that there needs to be continued surveillance and a way to report new or unexpected adverse events. And this is a responsibility that all of us involved in the care of patients have. And we're gonna talk more um, later on today about how to do that. Well, thanks Dr. Lessinger, I really do agree. It's a really exciting time to be in hemophilia and we've got new drugs that have come to market and a handful of new drugs who are being developed right now and will be in the market in the next few years. So this is a really timely discussion today to look at how we do our part in making sure these drugs are safe. So let's look a little more closely at the pharmacovigilance or PV process. Dr. Lessinger, can you give us a brief overview of this process and describe the primary aims of adverse drug reaction reporting? 
Sure. You know, pharmacovigilance is really a system that's been put in place to maintain drug safety, particularly after a drug has already been approved and is on the market. And it relies on healthcare providers and even patients um, to report adverse drug events or, or side effects that they experience. In the U.S., this process is overseen by the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, which works with the drug manufacturers in, to, to maintain drug safety. So the system is really designed to collect, to assess, and to monitor uh, drug reactions. So it's up to us, though, to report significant adverse events after a drug has been approved for use. And so, you know, the question comes, what should we report? Well, we should report any unexpected adverse drug reaction. Also, we should report any serious adverse drug reaction. And the FDA actually has um, uh, criteria for what, what constitutes a serious drug reaction. And that's any reaction that causes death or is life or limb threatening, um, any side effect that causes hospitalizations or extends hospitalizations, a side effect that causes persistent disability, or a side effect that requires treatment in order to avoid any of these things we just mentioned. And certainly any drug that causes birth defects would also um, constitute a serious adverse event. So those all need to be reported. Now, reporting can go either to the manufacturer or to the FDA. And you, you don't have to report to both. You, do, you go to one or the other. Ultimately, anything reported to the manufacturer of that drug um, will end up being reported by the manufacturer to the FDA. It's required that they report to the FDA, but the manufacturer will then gather materials and, and fill out and, uh, more information and then report to the FDA. To report, um, it, it's really fairly simple. The manufacturers all have on their websites uh, uh, easy, easily accessible information with forms and information, instructions on how to fill out a report and submit it. Or if you go to the FDA, there are websites very easily accessible on the FDA website that also provides forms and instructions on how to do this. So it's really very straightforward, very simple to do the reporting. Now, once the FDA has all this information, they'll investigate, they'll look into further to this, they'll get more details, they'll, particularly if this, these side effects, a particular side effect has been reported in more than one patient, um, and ultimately, they can do several things with this information. They can issue a product recall. That would be the most drastic thing, to pull the product off the market. They can issue a boxed warning about when to be careful using the drug in certain situations. They can recommend increased monitoring uh, while a patient's on the drug. Or they can recommend to the manufacturer that an altered dose um, be recommended for patients. And, you know, even like letters, letters that we get to healthcare providers about new drugs. So there are a whole variety of things the FDA can do. Thanks, Dr. Lessinger, for giving us that great overview. We've also put together an animation that will help us break this down and understand this pharmacovigilance process a little further. So let's take a look at this illustration of where ADR reports go and what happens next. When problems with FDA-regulated products occur, Timely reporting by consumers, health professionals, and drug manufacturers allows the FDA to take prompt action. The agency evaluates each report to determine how serious the problem is, and if necessary, may request additional information before taking action. This is called the pharmacovigilance process. A patient with hemophilia A is currently treated with emicizumab. After their latest injection, they experience an anaphylactic reaction, 
difficulty breathing, airway compromise, and wheezing that required a visit to an emergency department for treatment. Their specialty pharmacist recommends they contact their doctor to report the adverse drug reaction, or ADR. The doctor gathers all pertinent information and begins the pharmacovigilance process. After the doctor reports the ADR to the manufacturer, a case reporter is assigned and starts the data collection and verification process. Once all the appropriate information about the event has been obtained, the case enters the triage phase and is prioritized based on severity, typically for unexpected, non-severe adverse reactions. This could take up to 15 days. Next, the case reporter creates a narrative to provide a summary of events to readers who do not have access to original data sets. The case reporter should ensure completeness, chronology, and sufficient detail in a narrative. Then an in-depth case causality assessment is conducted to determine if the ADR has medical or pharmacological plausibility based on signs and symptoms, laboratory tests, pathological findings, and mechanism of action. The assessment also determines the likelihood or exclusion of other causes for the same adverse events, often the disease condition or concomitant medication. Once the assessment and narrative are completed, it is time to report to the FDA. Now that we have a better understanding of the pharmacovigilance process, we need to put it a little bit into clinical perspective and clinical practice. So Dr. Lessinger, can you give us some information of your best practices for how you've implemented a reporting system within your clinical practice? Sure. I think the first and, and most important thing is just be alert to potential adverse drug reactions or side effects. And more than that, when starting a patient on a new drug or a new therapy, be sure to talk to them about how the new drugs are working, of course, but also any side effects that they might experience and encourage them to let you know or your, or your nurses know if they're having a problem. You know, basically just monitor them very carefully with these new drugs. Um, we already have one novel therapeutic drug that's been available for uh, several years, and that's imicizumab. You know, it was a drug that was first in its class and uh, by specific monoclonal antibody, I think used in hemophilia, um, that, you know, um, mechanism of, of action of drug is, you know, used in hemophilia first. And I think within the next few years, we're going to see additional novel agents um, and others that'll be first in class, first used in hemophilia before it's used in patients with other disorders. So even more important that we're alert and recognize side effects. You know, therapies like gene therapy, um, small interfering RNA technology, more highly modified factor eight products, um, and even other um, monoclonal antibody therapies I think will be coming online in the next few years. And so it really is important for us to stay alert and to pay attention. And remember that we're looking for serious or unexpected side effects. And uh, we need to, you know, in addition to being vigilant and, and, and talking to our patients, we also need to communicate to our teams, that our nurses and the others who work with our patients, um, to be on the alert for potential new drug reactions. You know, you need to have a plan. Um, you need to kind of think through how to report, how to find the resources and how to do those reports. It's really, as we said earlier, it's simple, it's straightforward, the instructions are there, but just be willing and ready to do that um, if needed. I agree, Dr. Lessinger. I think that that's part of it is to have those uh, ears out, both in your nurses, with your patients, including those nurses who may be the home nurses, which may be different from your clinic nurses, just so that everybody's on the same team and looking out for these events so that they can be 
um, reported. We all know that when patients come to clinic just once or twice a year, they may not remember all of the details of what happened a few months back. So having them have a good method of recording events as well as contacting uh, the clinic is definitely uh, a key piece of this. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation, but before we wrap up, Dr. Lessinger, can you share your one take-home message with our audience? Well, um, I would say as we, as we experience in so many issues of public safety, we hear the expression, if you see something, say something. And I think that is, is, is what we need to remember. Be vigilant, remind patients and staff to be vigilant, and if the event is serious or unexpected, report it. And just remember, we play an important role in helping to keep patients safe this way. Oh, I really like that quote, Dr. Lessinger. And I agree. I think, you know, my take-home message would also be to be alert, be aware, and know that even though it does add a little bit of additional time to report, our goals here are to really keep this community safe and to understand these drugs. As Dr. Lessinger said, they are um, tested on uh, patients up front, but 100 to 200 is a big clinical trial for us in hemophilia. So very important to keep that uh, awareness uh, as they come to market as well. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. So I want to thank our audience for listening in. And thank you, Dr. Lessinger, for joining me and sharing all of your valuable insights. It was great speaking with you today. Thank you, Shannon. You have been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Prova Education and is supported by an independent educational grant from Genentech. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash Prova. Thank you for listening.